Hi guys, it's Josh Rubin here in New York with my good friend Tom Ferry and the Rubin special on Thursday, May, what are we, 13th, 14th, the days are running together, the dates are running together, I believe it's May, but it feels like March. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing outstanding, Josh, thanks so much for having me on the show, I love the Rubin special. Absolutely. So, Tom, you know, we're going through an unprecedented time in our lives. Lots of markets are active. New York is operating in a little bit of a vacuum. I know you're in touch with some of the top real estate professionals from around the country, from the individual agent up to ownership. Would love to know your thoughts. Well, so, Josh, I'm going to answer it differently, that, uh, that opinions, everybody's got one. But the challenge that I'm making for most people today is, are you allowing are you allowing the media and the headlines to basically control your mindset or are you looking at the data, right? So I look every single day at a couple things. I look at, you know, what are the transactions that are happening in every marketplace around the world? And, you know, you know that because I've got exposure everywhere, what if I told you the top 10 cities throughout China right now, transactions for the month of April were as good or in many cases better than they were November of last year, and they were in the middle of a boom then. So you look at China as a good leading indicator for what's to come for us. Then I look at what's happening even with Italy, talking with one of my clients there in Milan, where Italy is now opening up and they're getting back to business and watching the Italians, right, sort of, you know, in many cases, race back to the market, in some cases, you know, try and navigate sort of the new norm. And then you look at the US, the thing I would ask everybody, whether you're a real estate professional watching this in the mortgage space, or you're an investor, or you're a homeowner, is I would tell you to look at a couple of things. There's a site called showingtime.com. Showingtime.com tracks every state in the U.S. and three provinces in Canada. I think it's uh, Ottawa and I think Calgary area, that region, Alberta, and Nova Scotia. And what it shows us, matter of fact, if you Google showingtime.com, impact of coronavirus, what you're going to see is the same thing all of us saw, which is the leading indicator of real estate success is how many buyers are out showing, seeing apartments or houses. And around March 10th, Josh, it just fell off, right? It went, it went so low that in many cases, we thought we'd never sell a house again. Well, if you look at all the trends and you can go state by state, province by province, you're going to see that we're now zooming back this direction and we're ahead of the baseline where we started on January. But you know, you raise, a, you, raise, you raise a really good point, Tom, yeah. in that we're seeing this almost checkmark-like recovery that Fred Peters from Warburg told us about the other day, and he right. was just looking at it locally. We don't have showing time because we don't have an MLS in Manhattan, but our friends all across the country, and Tom Tool yesterday was mentioning showing time. Look at the data. Yeah. This is a great reflection of buyer interest and confidence because we have historically low mortgage interest rates. We have this V-shaped recovery in, in, in equity markets, which is giving every Everybody, great confidence to move forward with their lives one step at a time. That's right. The other thing I would take a look at, certainly for the Manhattan marketplace, Josh, is, is you know, when, when was the last time you looked at Google Trends and, and looked at, for example, apartments for sale, right? And I didn't get a Google it before this show because I was working with a, a group from Connecticut all the way down to Naples this morning. But I was showing them that you could literally go in and say, all right, into Google, click on trends. It says, what do you want to, what do you want to see the numbers for? And I've been in homes for sale and you can literally go back, you know, the last hour, the last four hours, the last day, the last seven days, all the way back to 2004 when they started. And what it shows you, Josh, is the number of people that are searching during that time period for homes for sale, apartments for sale. 
condos for sale, co-ops for sale. You can get the real-time data <coughs> to know, <coughs> excuse me, that between interest rates, showings, searches, everything is showing us that we're racing back into the marketplace. The only challenge we have right now, and I, let me restate that, one of the bigger challenges we have right now, safety is always going to be the first thing to make sure that we navigate and take care of the buyer, the seller, the agents, everybody involved in the transaction always has to be first and foremost. The other challenge we have right now is there's simply not enough good product on the market. There's just not enough apartments and houses and condos for sale. And now I know some Manhattan brokers to say, wait a minute, you know, you know, we've been stuck. There's too many things on the market. I'm telling you nationally, we don't have enough. And for what's to come, I would argue even in Manhattan, we don't have enough good product priced correctly to match the demand that's coming. Yeah. You know, you raise a very good point that so there are so many people on the sidelines as far as sellers are concerned because of their perceived uncertainty. And they don't want to step onto, step into a market that is a foundation of uncertainty. So then you're going to see buyers out there looking for this quality product as you described it. And, you know, they're going to find some things, you know, onesies, twosies, threesies here and there, but everybody's going to be swarming for the, for the new good stuff that's coming on the market because there's just not going to be enough inventory to go around in the next couple of months. And then by the time sellers realize, hey, this market is actually better than we expected, they're all going to be launching their listings in September, beginning of school year, post Labor Day as people come back. But guess what? People are going to be focused on the upcoming election. We're going to see a surge in volatility in the equity markets, and then we're going to go through this little bit of a quiet period in the fourth quarter, and then it's going to be the first quarter of 2021 before things start to normalize again. You know, How do you see us getting through not only the summer months with this lack of quality inventory, as you described it, but also later into the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, when election uncertainty sets in? Yeah, the election is really going to be interesting this year. There's no, there's no doubt. The last one was one of the most tumultuous we've ever had. And I, I don't get um, political at, at all, Josh. It's just not how I roll. I'm, I kind of just bet on America is sort of my mindset. Um, the reality is this next election is going to be even more intense. And when that happens and you've got two sides being so you know, politically against one another, there's no doubt that that's going to impact housing. It's going to impact the economy. So I, I think, I don't think, I know if I was trying to sell my apartment today or I was trying to sell my house today, I'd be trying to figure out how I can time it. Like, you, you know, there's, there's basically three questions for people that are actually in the market. If you're not in the market, the only one that matters is the first question. And that is, how is the market specifically? How much is my home worth? Right? Everybody wants to know that. There's a reason why sites like uh, Zillow or Street Easy or Trulia or Realtor.com and so many others give us these valuations because our real estate is one of our prized assets, whether it's an investment property, a commercial piece of property, or a primary residence. Um, there's so much equity today in the U.S. in housing. It's ridiculous. So it's, it's an important thing that's on our mind. The second question that, that I'm hearing the most when you look at the consumer data is that question around, you know, how do I time this, right? People are thinking about the election and what's going to happen, right? They're also thinking about is there going to be a, you know, a virus solution soon? Are we going to have a vaccine that can solve this? And how is that going to impact it? The thing they're probably not paying attention to enough is the safety guidelines that are available and the mortgage market, right? The, the worst thing that can happen to us, Josh, is that the mortgage interest rates spike. 
if that if that happens, if we got into the the mid fours or fives, then we have a real problem. So it's not a market for everybody. Right now, it's not a market for everybody. But if you're thinking about selling and you're really committed to it, you got a big opportunity in front of you. But it's it's going to be a short window. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that it's going to be you know a little bit of a short window here. You get into the first quarter of 2021. I don't necessarily see that we're going to see mortgage interest rates spike. Of course, a lot of our viewers think that uh, you know the federal funds rate is somehow correlated to the uh, mortgage interest rate. It's not as direct a correlation as a lot of people believe it is. But uh, you know that said, I think it's a very interesting time for buyers and sellers. We're going to come out of this stronger than anyone imagines, and it's all going to be in the rearview mirror by the time people realize it. Yeah, I think one of the interesting stats, uh, you know, you and I have talked about it, is forty-two point one percent of all homes in the U.S. Forty-two point one percent of all homes in the U.S. right now have no mortgage on it. Think about that, and I don't want to misquote the number. I, I'm sure I probably have the stat here somewhere. I'm sorry, but if you, uh, if you, Josh, you should share the uh, KCM stat around the percentage of homes and the equity inside it. The yeah. reality is, you know, we're, we're also not going into a situation like many people believe that the whole world's going to fall apart and housing's going to crash and it's 2007, 8, 9 again. We are absolutely in a health epidemic that has become a national crisis for our economy. But when you look at housing, outside of that, I'm going to say, you know, Manhattan, you know, New York is one of my most favorite, you know, places on the planet, or the entire state of Pennsylvania, the rest of the country is moving, right? A $40 million deal was just done recently right here in my town where, you know, a $48 million deal was just done, you know, a few weeks back in San Diego. We're seeing nice, high-quality product that's selling. And if you get into the middle price range and lower-end price range, it's multiple offers in almost every situation. So, you know, I, I'm betting still on New York City making the turn, and I'm hopeful that, uh, that Pennsylvania – makes real estate agents essential. Otherwise, they're really going to have a problem. Yeah, you know, you, you raise a good point. Uh, Pennsylvania is the only state of, of the 50 United States that is not deeming real estate an essential business. It, what are your thoughts there and, and you know, the sort of thinking behind it? And, and where do you think Pennsylvania goes forward as a state? I, well, I'm going to tell you again, I'm trying not to be political, but I do think in some way it's political. I think it's, a, it's such an important state uh, for the next presidential cycle that it could be that. Um, it certainly couldn't be the fact that uh, real estate agents haven't figured out how to follow the National Association of Realtors Safety First Guidelines. You know, people know what to do, and you can see the demand. All you have to do is look at the stats in, you know, in Pennsylvania. And look, Pittsburgh is, is pretty much open, so why isn't Philadelphia? There's, there's just a lot of those questions. Josh, I don't get paid to think about that stuff, so I try not to focus there. I do try and focus on helping our clients that are there make the best of that situation, which means keeping their buyers and sellers informed and making sure that you know everybody is ready to go when it opens up because it does have to open up. It's like New York City. It, it does have to open up at a certain point, and when it does, get ready. Yeah. You know, uh, one of our viewers just chimed in and said it's more dangerous to go to the grocery store than it is to show or look at a house. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, I, yeah, I mean, look, at, I see uh, Jay uh, D'Alessandro is one of the greatest, you know, team leaders in the country. I mean, recognized as you are as, you know, one of the top 1,000 agents in all of real estate out of 1.4 million. And he's saying, look, you know, we're seeing multiple offers on a lot of homes in Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., right? Like, 
we're, we're seeing it everywhere. So, you know, look, we know it's different in Manhattan, right? I'm super mindful of that. I've got a lot of friends like you there. I know, I know the difference of vertical living versus, you know, getting in your car and driving to the suburbs from house to house. But it's going to open up, Josh, and when it does, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. You know, Tom, you raised a very good point earlier, which is to say that that more Americans have greater equity in their homes than ever before. So, you know, we're not likely to see these these four sellers, uh, you know, peeling out of these hundred and fifty, two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollar homes where they're putting zero to five percent down. People are putting 20 percent or more down on these home purchases and they're paying off their mortgages more rapidly than ever before. So, you know, the likelihood that we see these poor sellers and this sort of housing-driven, uh, you know, softening market is is highly unlikely. So, you know, like I said, I'm I'm actually probably more optimistic than than most people because of the activity that we're seeing in in markets like Northern Virginia and markets like Dallas. Uh, in markets like Minnesota, where I know uh, Melissa Peterson is, uh, you know, Orange County, where Timmy Smith is. So, you know, I'm I'm super pumped for this stay-at-home order to be lifted. I'm yeah. lining up, uh, you know, some nice inventory to bring on the market in the next few weeks, and uh, I'm I'm fairly optimistic. Tom, what would you take? What would you tell our friends who have been home for the last eight weeks, and you know, they're sort of you know, doom and gloom, not that you and I are, but they're, you know, they're a little afraid of, you know, what's likely to face them on the other side of this. How do people get their mindsets right? So, so your mindset by definition is sort of what you believe to be true and real. And, and the challenge is, you know, whether you're one of my 19 year old sons, who's, you know, depressed because he got into his fraternity and he's a tennis player and the whole season's over. And now I've got to sit in front of my computer and that negatively impacts him. Or, you know, tragically, you might be someone that was, you know, let go of your job, right? I mean, the, the reality is there are people that are facing uh, some pretty challenging times right now. And what I would remind them all of, I, you know, Josh, and I, I know, you know, you with, you know, your father or you think about your grandparents. Um, my father-in-law, born and raised in, uh, in Boston, a little town called Revere, like the, the first beach in the U.S., um, when Pearl Harbor happened, he and like 31 of his buddies raced down and signed up and joined the military. 30 of them joined the Navy, right? He ended up on the USS uh, Cambria and, you know, had that, you know, had that experience. My uncle Frank, though, who's 96, alive today, uh, living, you know, I think in Somerville or right near there, uh, you know, in Massachusetts. For an extra 25 bucks, you know what he did? He became a paratrooper for $25 extra a month. Had no idea what that meant. Um, but he was at my house and he's, I was just with him in November, uh, having dinner with him, 96, you know, we refer to them as the greatest generation ever. Um, everybody during that time was doing their part, right? And whether it was, I think about my mother-in-law who was sewing, not, she wasn't my, you know, wasn't married yet. She, you know, she was working at, at 14, 15 years old. Or I think about my father-in-law who joined the Navy or my uncle Frank, who on D-Day, was you know a paratrooper being landed and ended up 100 miles behind enemy lines in a plane that was you know destroyed as he was you know coming out of it. I look at that generation and I think about the sacrifices they made. I think about the leadership that they provided. And, and what I would say to people today is, um, you have to figure out what's going to drive you, right? You have to figure out that. Inside of all this, as, as hard as it may be, or as tragic as it may be, or as much as you're thriving right now, depending upon where you are, and I'm thinking more so, Josh, 
about the people that I wish I could reach out and talk to one-on-one, -on -one, every single one of them to help them get out of this, is you either see a light at the end of the tunnel or you see a train coming at you. And either way, you're right. So I, I would challenge everybody to do maybe something like a little, a little stock of their life. I did this, and I, I mentioned not to be too personal, Josh, but you, know, you have kids and I have kids and you know, many of us that, that have that experience. When my son was, I don't want to say depressed, but he was just getting upset. I asked him to just on his bathroom mirror, we grabbed a pen and we wrote down a bunch of words, right? Physical, you know, intellectual, family, spiritual. He doesn't have a career, so I said tennis. And we listed out all the areas that mattered most to him. And then I said, why don't you just take stock of where you're at in your life? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you're basically in one of three states, dis-ease, wellness, or greatness. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to watch a 19-year-old's perspective going through this who said, well, you know, tennis is in dis-ease because the courts are closed and I can't play, right? I'm dis-ease, right? Well, how are you doing intellectually? Well, I'm doing okay in my class. I'm like, well, are you doing well, like wellness, or are you doing greatness? He's like, no, I'm playing probably too many video games, wellness. I said, how about with the family? How are you doing? He goes, oh, you know, I have been avoiding you guys and, you know, I've been in my room probably a little too much. I'm like, well, is that dis-ease? What, what would mom say? Uh, okay, dis-ease. And awareness is the first step of change. And I don't mean to be all, you know, ranty, you know, on your show here, but I would ask people to look at their lives and ask themselves, disease, wellness, greatness, and you have a choice. And that's not motivational. That is a choice you get to make. You can choose to say, hey, I might be in dis-ease, but you know what? If I'm out of a job, someone is hiring in your marketplace. It may not be work that you want, but some work is better than what my uncle Frank went through, here's a gun, go jump out of an airplane. I would tell you to get in action, to get out of complaint and get into action, to get back into the game as quickly as possible. Love that, Tom. And, you know, it's all about a choice. It's all about your mindset. So you can choose to sit in front of a monitor and play these video games that disappear just as soon as you're done with them. Whether you won or lost doesn't really matter. You know, that's a lot of kids to, uh, equivalent to going out and playing with, you know, building forts and, you know, riding their bikes. And instead, they're just, you know, uh, they're stationary in front of their monitors. That's not going to affect their mindset in a positive way long term. And, you know, we all have a choice to make, right? Do we, do we become sedentary in front of our monitors or do we become sedentary in front of the news cycle or do we go out and we become active and get away from the news? You know, we know that we, the news is very black and white, right? It, it's either, it's either bad or good. And today the news cycle is more bad than it is good. Shut it off. It's not going to do anything for you. That's, that's powerful in any way and productive and going to enable you to advance. You're just going to be stuck in that quagmire of, wow, this is the worst. People are dying. People are getting sick. It's all true. But you know what? There's, there's, a, there's a light at the other end of the tunnel. And at the other end of the tunnel, it's spring out. It's beautiful. Go for a walk. Go for a hike. Get together with somebody that you love or who loves you. Or maybe you love each other. You're lucky enough that way. Get out there and just experience the positive that is available to us all. I love it. I'll tell you, Josh, I just saw a couple of the people that are, that are on your show watching, you know, fr friends of ours and longtime clients of mine. Big shout out to Joe from Chicago. Uh, not only do I ride the Peloton bike with him and he just, you know, cremates me, uh, you know, fantastic athlete. I would say to every agent out there watching right now, you have a, you have a database of customers that have relied on you as their resource. The, the person that they turn to when they're curious about what's going on in housing or, hey, I heard that home sold, what did it sell for, what's going on? You know, you're... You're a piece of the fabric of their life. I would argue that right now, if you didn't go out today 
and answer the three big questions for people. How much is my home worth? You know, can it be done safely? How is the mortgage market impacting me? If you're not reaching out to schedule Zoom sessions or StreamYard sessions or phone calls or whatever it may be, that you're missing the mark of what matters most in a relationship. And that's trust, right? Josh, I know when you, when you said, hey, I want to do this show, you know, my, my first response was absolutely 100% yes. I'm super proud of you because you have, you have hundreds of people every year that trust you to manage buying and selling real estate for them. And, and knowing you the way I know you, you're the first guy that will tell people, hey, you shouldn't transact based on your situation, right? You're, you're relationship-based, not transaction-based. And I would challenge everyone watching, especially if you're on the agent side or you're in the insurance business or mortgage business or any service business, that trust right now is either being established at a deeper level or it's being broken based on your communication. So the more you communicate, the more you have empathy, the more you reach out to find out where people are at, and, and you know they're not broken. Don't fix them. Listen to them. Help them work through their issues. Help them work. Help them find a job if that's what it takes. DJ, who you know down in uh, in Florida, we looked at the the first uh, batch of seven hundred ten thousand Americans that lost their jobs. Almost sixty percent of them were servers and bartenders and working inside restaurants. He's a real estate broker in Jacksonville, Florida. He understands it because he came from that. He came out and said. Hey, if you're in this industry or you got let off, if you've had any thoughts of real estate, I will sponsor you to help you get your real estate license. Like, that's a good example. Be the solution for as many people as you can. Because coming out of this, Josh, trust is going to be either on steroids for the people that did it right, or you're going to be lost in the shuffle because there's just too much noise right now. Thoughts? Yeah. You know, you're, 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 very in tune with everything that I've been doing the last few weeks, which is just reaching out to people, touching base, coming from a place of helpfulness. You know, I'm not Josh Rubin, the real estate broker. When I reach out to them, I'm just Josh Rubin, the friend. And you know, how can I help? And in fact, I, I did connect a client to uh, another client that, you know, they didn't know one another. I just made an email intro because, you know, one of them is doing a, a startup technology startup. And I, the other one is a private equity guy. Just, you know, just connected them, right? There's, there's nothing in it for me. You know, I don't want anything from it, aside from, you know, I, I told the private equity guy, I said, hey, whatever happens to this, you know, is you know, good for you, it's good for him. I don't want it to impact our relationship whatsoever. I just thought that I could, you know, help help people. That's all. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we really need to come from a place of, of helpfulness with, you know, the people that we're in touch with, whether it's buying and selling homes or, you know, helping them, you know, just find something to do with their kids. Somebody else I spoke to was, was caught out in uh, park city. There could be worse places to be caught, but you know, he was out there and not coming back to New York and he just needed to know what to do for the day. So I reached out to a couple friends who I know in the Salt Lake city area. I said, Hey, client of mine is out there with two kids. Is there anything that they can do this coming Saturday? So, you know, they went down to a national park and checked it out, had a great time. And, you know, if it weren't for me, they would have just stayed inside in front of their screens all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good move. I mean, I think at the end of the day, everyone watching, and I know I'm, you know, looking down here, a lot of the people we know, um, I go back to that great Harvard study, the, the class that I'm sure everybody's heard about, the books written about it on sustainable happiness. And to your point, Josh, the sustainable happiness at the end of the day boils down to basically two things. Am I learning? And am I contributing? Am I learning? Am I, am I giving back? And, and one, you know, one sort of pro tip that I would challenge everybody and, you know, the real estate industry knows uh, we launched a thing called Pivot. And if you look at Pivot, 
the goal was like, how do you help somebody navigate through this market as a real estate practitioner? How do you help them be more successful, you know, deal with the, the challenges of going completely virtual? It's not unlike somebody like Masterclass or uh, Udemy or Udemy. I think right now it's really important for people to be sharpening their acts, to be getting better at you know, the, the soft skills or maybe the hard skills. They're going to make you better coming out of this because this is going to end. Right. And when it ends, how the world's going to be right now, nobody really knows. But I know this. Right. The skill of communication, the skill of empathy, the skill of understanding, you know, whether it's engineering or the ability to negotiate today at a high level. All these skills are going to matter. And, and what this is really, you know, shining the light on for a lot of entrepreneurs is maybe the, you know, the deficits, if you will, the, the areas of weakness in their business. You look at Amazon, that's just, you know, going off the charts. Why? Because Jeff Bezos, for what, now 22 years, only has one, one focus. Make the customer happy. Make it easy for them to do what they want to do on their phone. He's, you know, notorious for firing senior executives or causing them to leave because they believed the customer experience was one way, and he would check it himself with, what, I don't even know, 600,000 employees, um, I would just ask everybody out there, what have you done to improve your skills during this time? That was the challenge I had for my 19 and now about to be 21-year-old son. How are you going to get better so you can make a difference for more people coming out of this? You know, it's an interesting point that you raise. It's, it's really about making a difference for people, right? Whether you're driving a bus, whether you're collecting trash, whether you're driving a train, you know, waiting at a table, yeah. selling a house, you know, driving an Uber or driving a taxi or, you know, knitting a sweater. It's about what we can do for others, right? So it's not really about what others can do for us. It's about what we do for others. And that's why I find that the more that I reach out and try to help more people, the more likely it is that the universe comes back to me in a positive way. You know, I'll never forget, you know, one time you and I were sitting down to dinner and I said, you know, Tom, it's amazing how my business does better when I reach out more. And what I meant by that was not necessarily reaching out to my sphere or the you know five or 10 buyers or my active sellers, but when I reach out to new people, when I reach out to for sale by owners, when I reach out to uh, expires, uh, when I reach out to prospective sellers who didn't list and who you know just kind of went dark on me, next thing you know, I get more inbound you know, leads, I get more people for my sphere contacting me. I get more people contacting me for my mailings. So it, it's just amazing what happens when you just have the right mindset. And we can sort of block ourselves from, you know, being who we know we are to catapulting us into who we can become. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the old metaphor is, you know, if you shake a, an apple tree, somewhere an apple's going to fall. It may not be the one that you were looking at and trying to get to. Um, but again, you, you bring up the right point, which is, you know, I have been just always a huge advocate of know what it is that you want, create your action plan, and then go at it every single day. I mean, if, if there was an easy way to be successful, I think I would be trying to teach that, right? What, what I've known for the 31 years of my professional career is it's a giant button that has four letters on it, work. And if you want to go eight, hard work. And you push that sucker every single day and good things happen. So again, I would stress for everybody out there watching, um, if, you're, if you're in the sales business, it's really clear. It's probably two times the work for the same result. 
right? Josh's mindset is right. The more you just say, I want to make a difference, I want to help, I'm not calling just to, to sell you a widget or try and get you to sell your home, but I want to make a difference, good things always come out of that. And then because you're a great negotiator, because you're a great marketeer, because you think outside of the box, those that want to transact are going to transact and have a beautiful experience. Um, I just challenge everybody right now, like, I think, I, I think I've had three days off since this hit. And, you know, for us, we're nine weeks and two days since, you know, 350 of us in, in our organization, you know, ended up working remote. And I got to tell you, the hard work is paying off. The, you know, the more phone calls you make, the more people you reach out to, the, the better the content you produce. You know, it always pays off. It doesn't always show up, Josh, to your point, you know, the way I thought it would. Hey, I'm, you know, calling this person and I really want to help solve this problem. And then somebody else calls and says, hey, Ferry, I want to use your time for this. That happens to me all the time as well. But the thing I want to stress is for a lot of us out there, we've been in a 10 and a half to 11 year bull market. The housing industry, really, since 2010, has just been going like this, right? 2009, depending upon where you are, 2011, depending on where you are, but it's been going like this. And you know what? For a lot of people, it got really easy. And I would challenge you right now to roll up your sleeves and do the tough stuff, do the gritty stuff, do the stuff that most people aren't willing to do. Because when you do that and you come out of this, you're going to be so far ahead of everybody it's, it won't even make sense how far ahead you'll be. You, you know, Josh, I was the first to say in the real estate industry with 1.4 million agents, I believe that 70% of them furloughed themselves and took an eight or nine week unpaid vacation. Right? You, know, you, raise a, you raise a good point there, Tom, and something you said the other day really resonated with me, which is when we're following up with buyers, when we're following up with sellers and you know, they, they have other things going on in their life, they're not, selling, they're not saying, don't call me. They're just saying, not right now. And we tend to overthink that and treat it like, you know, somebody who, you know, we feel doesn't want to date us. So we stop calling after the first or second call. Those who have tuned into, uh, you know, our broadcast here this week have heard me say time and time again that we have to perpetually follow up. We have to have a specific program in mind and do not stop unless one of two things happens. Either they tell us, do not call me again, and they essentially tap out or they've either bought or sold something. But I take it one step further because just because people bought or sold doesn't mean that they're not going to do business in the future. Chances are people will buy between three and five houses in their lifetime. And what happens to the prior transaction? Well, they do the opposite. So if somebody buys a house today, they're likely to sell that house in five to eight years. You could be their agent when they sell. All you have to do is stay in front of them because we know that at least 1.3 of those 1.4 million agents are not doing that. In fact, I've reached out to uh, people who I've pitched, prospective sellers who have selected another agent but did not yet list. I've called them up in these last eight weeks, just checking in. How are you guys getting through this crazy time? They're blown away. Why? Because the agent that they just signed with hasn't even been in touch with them the last eight weeks. Yeah. So you, you really need to be in front of people and you really need to you know keep on it because if, if people are furloughing themselves, which is a lot, of, a lot of agents are doing that, when these clients who go dark on you, these prospective clients, these buyers and sellers who maybe haven't actually worked with you, when they go dark on you, they're ghosting you. But when you don't reach out to people, you're ghosting yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, Josh, it's funny. I was uh, <laughs> sitting with my boys last night and uh, yeah, more of a, a personal story. 
talking to them about dating and then uh, attracting the ideal spouse. And I shared with them that I listed out and I showed them my journal from July 17th, 1991. Here's everything I'm looking for in the ideal girlfriend. I'm, look, I'm getting red and almost embarrassed thinking about it. And I'm telling my boys this story and I read the criteria and they both say, that's mom. I'm like, right. I said, but here was the challenge. Like I knew I wanted to help. I knew I wanted her. She didn't know she needed me. So I had to do a year and a half of lead follow-up to make sure that I finally cemented the deal. And your purpose is not the same, right? You know, today in real estate, we should be celebrating our grittiness, celebrating our willingness to, to stick to it, to follow through. Kyle Whistle, who you know from San Diego, uh, I saw a post recently that he helped a buyer buy a house that he met seven years ago. Seven years ago, they were like, they raised their hand, they filled out a form and said, I want to buy a house in San Diego. And they didn't for seven years. And he continued to follow up and nurture that relationship and finally helped them do it. That kind of stuff is, that's America. You with me? Yeah. Like, that's what this is all about right now. Like, how hard are we willing to fight for what we believe in to serve? Absolutely. And, you know, so many people are out there, out there aren't necessarily ready. And they need to go through this arc before they are, whether they're thinking about buying or selling. You know, some people I, I've been in touch with for 10 years. Am I, am, am, I, am I showing them a house every day? No, I'm not showing them a house every day. But I know that when they do something, I'm the guy. And so at some point, those people will transact. It's up to us to stay in front of them. 100%. 100%. So, Josh, can I flip the interview and ask you a question? Absolutely. I'm an open book. Yeah. Share with everybody and myself included two questions. What was your what was your motivation behind this? And how do you feel about the show now that you're this many weeks in? Well, I, I got to tell you, thanks to uh, our uh, marketing director and producer, Charles Wallace, we've gotten it much more streamlined. And, um, you know, I've only had one guest be late. And that was that was today. So it, it was uh, pretty seamless. Um, but, but that said, you know, the reason that I did the show is really simple and that's to, to give our colleagues and our friends hope to know that, you know, this is an isolated exogenous event. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together. And we need to focus on the facts. As you said earlier, Tom, you can focus on, you know, the, the media firestorm that's out there selling the negative news, or we can focus on the data. It's really our choice. And so if we focus on the data, we'll realize that there's a hell of a lot more positive than negative out there. Our friend Coach Yvonne Arnold posted something interesting the other day. It was an article that talked about the pandemic that nobody knows about. Do you happen to know when that was, Tom? No. It was 1967 to 1968. Okay, there was another pandemic. Uh, it was one of these HN, H1N1 type, type uh, strains. And you know what happened during that pandemic? Tell me. Nothing. There were no closures. School stayed open. In fact, there was a very famous rock and roll festival that happened, I believe it was August of 68. It's called Woodstock. Okay, we've all seen the pictures. We've seen the movie. We've heard the stories. People running around, having a great time, hugging each other and more. And there was no issue. Okay, so I'm not saying that we're right or wrong to have all these closures, but Today's media and technology and connectivity is enabling us to really live in a fear-based society. And so we need to really have hope that there is a future and that it is much closer than anyone realizes. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, I listened to uh, something by a mentor of mine, someone I met when I was 18 years old, Tony Robbins. Uh, about two weeks after this all sort of unfolded, call it, you know, April, you know, first week, he said, you know, what we need is faith. And he said, you know, you can take that from a, a religious standpoint. He said, but let me give it to you differently. Every day, every day, 3,200 people die in an automobile accident. Every day. 3,200 people. That's, Josh, that's the equivalent of 9-11 every single day. Like, that's intense. And he said, that's like 1.3, 1.4 million people around the world. He said, and yet every day we get in our car and we hurl ourselves down the highway going faster than the speed limit, looking at our phone, you know, talking to somebody, you know, kind of not paying attention. And yet we have the faith that we're going to get from here to there. And, and I think it's the same, you know, the, the same thing said differently that right now what we need is a lot more faith that we're going to get through this, you know, that we're betting on ourselves, that we're betting on our innovation. And yeah, things may be different, but you know what? The only thing that's constant is change. And those of us that adapt always win. And I think that's a testament to what you're doing here. You're giving people insight and ideas around adapting to the new norms and making good decisions. So proud of you, buddy. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. And you know, I can only imagine what the American public would think if it were broad headlines, national news, another 3,000 people died today in, in automobile accidents. No one would want to get into a car. But instead, you know, we're an economy that's largely based on the automobile industry. So that's sort of, you know, shoved under the rug a little bit. And, and no one really realizes just how dangerous it is to, to drive their car. But, you know, we need to put one foot in front of the other. So with that, Tom, last question for you. I've known you for about 10, 11 years now. You've certainly helped me grow my business exponentially. I know you've helped thousands of others because I've seen the people stand up in the crowds at the various conferences that uh, you've invited me to around the country to talk about the change that you've enabled them to make both personally and professionally. So last question for you, I've known you for a long time, but is there any hidden talent that you have? You know, I wish I was a DJ like you because I do watch my people. <laughs> spinning uh based upon the bruises and cuts i have on my arm skateboarding is no longer something that i'm all that good at (laughs) i think my superpower is probably listening you know i like i can i can listen like nobody's business and really listen between the lines but i think you probably knew that yeah i don't know maybe um it's definitely not my ability to barbecue you know that kind of horrible in that category yeah, I don't think so, partner. Sorry, probably didn't want to, you know, end on such a low note. It's definitely not skateboarding because I am beat up right now. My wrist is busted up and I got cuts all up and down my arm. No kidding. But I'm 50 and I still love skateboarding. Who, who was it that encouraged you to get back on a deck? Uh, that would be uh, my sons as they were like, hey, we're going to go paddleboarding. And I was like, paddleboarding, grab my sector skateboard off the, <laughs> and phew, right down the, you know, right down the way and stumble crash here we go but you know what hey i'm still gonna get on that skateboard we all get beat up when we get beat up we learn lessons and that's what keeps us all moving forward with a little more wisdom you know that's a great metaphor uh that that uh you know we'll uh you know leave on tom is that you know we can fall but it's really a matter of those who get back up and what they do with the knowledge of that fall that enables us to move forward with greater success and confidence so with that everybody tom ferry from uh tom ferry your coach out in uh California. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tom. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate you, my friend. And uh, thanks for everybody out there watching. Keep up the good work. Stay gritty. Keep moving forward and have a lot more faith.